Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. Amen. Um, grab the uh, book of Luke. We're going to teach tonight and uh, trade it as Wednesday night. And uh, I hate saying it like I treat it as Wednesday night. Anytime we come together in the Lord's name, having knows there's an opportunity for something great to happen. You believe that? Two or three are gathered. Amen. We got more than two or three, so something great ought to happen tonight. I uh I wanna I really don't know how I'm gonna teach this, and so this is kinda like something I mixed up all together, you know what I'm saying? And so I don't know. I'm gonna do my best to teach it and uh and we're gonna we're gonna go from there. But what I wanna talk about is uh a lot of times and on Wednesday night, how many how many knows that it's one thing, and I want to have great church services. You follow what I'm saying? I want to have good services, but you have to build an environment to sustain anything. You with me? And so I want to work on uh, building. Uh, I'm just working on the wineskin a little bit tonight, okay? And so what I want to talk about is uh, governing from heaven. You with me? All right. And so um, I have had the opportunity of... Uh, of uh, I guess I don't know how many years, uh, several years I would say four or five, of uh, serving uh, with Pastor Dale on his apostolic team, and so I've been in multiple churches and and uh, in several churches and seen several situations. Now, how many knows a couple of Wednesday nights ago, or one of the, maybe the last time I was in the pulpit, maybe uh, one of the last times I was in the pulpit, that I talked about freedom? How many believe that that's the environment in which God creates? So God wants freedom. Are you with me now? He desires us to be free. Everybody in this room, it is God's will for you to be free. You and I to be in freedom. We, all, we sang that tonight. So God wants freedom. And so how many knows any time that there is an environment that we want to be free, sometimes boo-boos happen. And the reason why they're going to happen is everybody in here is human. You with me now? And humans will fail and humans will make mistakes and we can all say that we have done that. All right. And so when we know that's the case, so we know that people are going to fail and people are going to make mistakes, so therefore in our environment we got to know how to handle mistakes. Do not all of us in here have families and we got to learn how to handle mistakes within the family. You with me? So that's what I want to talk about tonight just for a little bit. Now, let me give you, I, I got this scenario from uh, Danny Silk. And so, um, if you don't know him, don't listen to his stuff because you, you might think I'm trying to preach like him. So, listen. So, just forget that name. I got this from Jesus. Okay? Everything I get is straight from Jesus. Unless <laughs> it's last minute and he's on the internet. No, I'm playing. I ain't never downloaded nothing off the internet to preach in my life. Hey, I have stole a few sermons, though. Jensen Franklin and people like that. So, listen, uh, listen to this. He gives an example of a fifth grader coming home and it's report card time. You know, kids ain't really got it made like we had it made. We had the one that they stuck in the paper, you know. And so you, if your mom and dad forgot about it, you could hold it out for a few days, at least a weekend. Now, some of them, I think, they get emailed to the mom and dad. So it really ain't, you know. Let's, so let's take a fifth grader. A fifth grader comes home. And he has made an F. And that's really not standing for fantastic. 
You with me? So he's made, he has made an F. So what happens inside that home is, especially my wife being a teacher, she's going to freak out. Come on now. She's going to freak out. And the, next things, and the next thing that's probably coming to mind is, so let, let's just say this. I, I'm trying to teach this. To, so just pray for me. Help me. Lord, help me get this out. So what happens is when she freaks out, the first initial shock that goes into her is fear. Listen to me. And anytime you respond in fear, you cannot respond the way God responds. Listen to me. Fear, when you respond in fear, you never respond in the way God responds. Because fear always comes with the response of punishment. Listen to me. And tonight, we're going to look in this Word and see that those in this room that believe in the finished work of Jesus, you cannot be punished. That's, That's hard for us to... Holy smokes, man, you said I can't be punished? Where Grant ain't in the room, is he? I don't want him to have this revelation. (laughs) Not yet. Listen, my kids can be punished, you know what I'm saying? I was on the phone today threatening to put Asher in the kingdom of heaven, you know what I'm saying? The man said, you need me to call you back. I said, no, this ain't going to take but a minute. But listen. When if I or Catherine and Grant has brought home an F, if we just punish him, the only thing he has to do is endure his punishment, but nothing's changed in his life. So some kind of way I have to respond to make him own up to what he has done. Now, so if I take punishment out, let me show you a way that you could create an environment in which this, so here's the way I respond. Grant. I see that you have an F. That's great, son. Stay with me. Don't throw me out. Don't worry. If you fail the fifth grade, you get to repeat it. John Bentley's coming right behind you. It will be much easier on your mom and I to take you to the same class. Huh? Now you and John Bentley can go to the same uh, little birthday parties and hang out, and y'all can all be on the same baseball team. Because you're in the same grade. Huh? Now what you think is going to happen in that scenario, he's going to realize that there's no way that my little brother's going to be in the same grade I'm in. So something's got to change in my life. Are you with me now? Something's got to change for me to get out of the fifth grade. And I guarantee you when he realizes that or sees that, the next report card that comes home, his grades are going to be made as an improvement. So let's, let's look at this. Luke chapter 9. Verse 51, now it came to pass, my favorite verse in the Bible, when time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered into a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? 
They got Bible on, on their action here. Come on now. I'm talking about dealing with the issue. I've seen all kind of issues in church. Probably one of the most humbling and terrifying things I went to, I had to go to a church where there was child molestation happening in the church. And the deal is, is I, I used to run this man revivals when I was 19 and 20 years old. And I remember pulling on the side of the road out beside, about beside my truck, almost throwing up, nervous and scared. And How can a man get in that type of situation? With me now. If you don't think I don't need to preach this, just get on Facebook when somebody does something and see the way Christians respond. Nobody won't hear nothing I got to say. Or when this used to happen, we, this used to happen, I've seen this happen. A man messed up in the church, he has a moral failure, slept with his secretary. We want him to come stand before the church and confess his sin. Now how many of you in your home, in your family, is going to take your baby that just defecated in his diaper and smear that on the rest of the children? Well, why do we do that in the church? Because it makes us feel better for him to have to confess his sin. Man, this is it. Why would you take that mess and dump it on everybody? Everybody's hurt in the room because here's a leader that we look to went down. Why take his mess and pour it all over the people? We have to remove him because here's the deal. If you're a preacher and you sleep with a secretary, you can't come back and preach next week. And the issue is not him sleeping with the secretary. That's a symptom. There's a deeper issue going on in the heart. Come on now. And so you can beat him up, whip him, tar him and everything else because he slept with the secretary, but that will never fix the issue. The issue is something deeper in the heart. So here's the deal. When we're facing with an issue, whether it be your child, any relationship you have in your environment, you've got to know what manner of spirit you of. I have responded in not realize what manner of spirit I was when I responded. Now they had Bible because Elijah did call fire down from heaven on Jezebel's prophets. Jesus, they, they not treating you. They ain't honoring you. They ain't giving you the respect you deserve. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven? Jesus turned and said, hey, dude, you don't even know what spirit you of right here. Let's, let's look on right here a little piece. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. We got it on the screen right here. If you, you ain't got a Bible. If you ain't got one, we'll buy you one. So tell us. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I'm not going to flip there because I got some more. I'm going to go to I can quote it though. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not what? Given us what? A spirit of fear and of love. But He has given us what? Love. And a sound and a what sound mind. In other words, he's giving you what? Self control. See, this is where we show our maturity. We see how mature we are. See, here's the deal. Christians are afraid of sin. 
They're afraid when people mess up. We, try, we want to keep our environment controlled. And we're more, we're more concerned about keeping people controlled with rules and regulations. Huh? If you're in the church of God, don't smoke a cigarette or don't... You, come on now, y'all. Anybody raised like I was? Huh? You can't smoke and come to church. Well, you can come to church, you just can't be in no leadership. Because that's one of our rules. Jesus never governs you with rules. He governs you with law. The Old Testament is an external set of rules to govern you. The New Testament is an internal set of rules to govern you. Because through the power of the New Testament, you have access through the power of the Holy Spirit and self-control, and you're to be governed from the inside out. It's good teaching right there. That's enough to make me shout. How to make a Baptist shout. Listen to this. 1 John 2, 1. Let's go here. 1 John 2, 1. Well, you have to be careful preaching on freedom. People will run wild. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, "What, My little children, these things I write to you that you what, may not sin. John ain't encouraging anybody to sin. He said, I'm writing you this that you do not sin. But what Jesus knew, somebody was going to sin. So he had to give us part B of the verse. He said, if any man does sin, he has what? An advocate with the Father. So that tells me in my sinful state, whatever I'm struggling with, God is still there with me. See, I was raised up, you couldn't even be a candidate for the Holy Spirit. You wasn't a candidate to receive the Holy Spirit until you were saved. You had to go through this sanctification process, and then you got the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. When you receive Jesus, you are a candidate for the Holy Spirit, regardless of what's going on in your life. Are you with me now? It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that will give you power to walk away from the things that are binding you. We was taught you saved, sanctified, three months, six months, nine months. Then we was filled with the Holy Ghost like it was a one-day experience. I was filled with the Holy Ghost November the 2nd, 1982. Well, you need to get another drink. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit every day of my life. Every time I crank worship on, I ask God to fill me. When I walk in my house, God fill me. You, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time experience. It should be an everyday experience for the believer. All right. Now listen. First, so I'm writing these things that you do not sin. We have an advocate with the Father. Because of the cross, we no longer try not to sin. The Christian walk is not trying not to sin. But it's about fulfilling the commandment of love. Now, now listen here. goes right on to say that he himself is a, a proposition for our... How you say that word? I, I struggle with it. I'm not lying. Huh? Propitiation. You can tell I struggled in English. If it was not for advanced metals and construction, I might not have made it. 
And he himself is a, what do you say? Propitiation. Somebody give us a newer translation in here. Lord, we can't read it the way Paul wrote it. Listen. For our sins. And not only, and not for ours only. So he just didn't, he just didn't come to get you, but what for the world? Not just for me, but for the world. Now here's what you've got to understand about that word. That word is translated in the Greek, atonement. Now listen to me. It's translated as an atonement. Now here you've got prophets that put out, God's about to judge homosexuality. Listen, God's judged homosexuality over 2,000 years ago. Listen to me. God ain't about to judge any sin. He's already judged it. And God was angry, ticked off. God was mad, ticked off, and he put every bit of it on Jesus. That's enough to make everybody shout in here. Do you understand when God poured his wrath out on Jesus, that satisfied his wrath right there? He's not mad. He ain't been mad since. Listen to me. God is not mad at nobody in this room or the worst person you can think of who is struggling. That's why he put it all on Jesus. The sin was fully atoned for when Jesus went to the cross. There's never going to be another atonement. It's already been fulfilled. So here... Why are you preaching this? Because if you're struggling and when you do and we all struggle, let's all be honest with ourselves in here. There's not a person in here that's not trying to overcome something in your life. Come on, the one preaching is. You follow what I'm saying? And so here's the deal. In your weakness, the enemy will try to make you feel like that God is not pleased with you. But what makes God pleased with you is not your performance, but what Jesus has already done for you. So when God looks at you, He's not looking at your performance. He's looking at your life under the blood of His Son. And every time the enemy says you are a failure, He looks at you and says you're an overcomer because you hooked to my Son. My God, that's enough to make you shout. So here's the deal. What you have to do in our environment called a family is you have to look at people the way God looks at them. Because God didn't see the man that went down that I referred to as a child molester. He saw him as a son. Come on now. Let somebody do something. Christians that get up, they ought to burn him in the electric chair. Huh? You should have seen what Christians was putting on Facebook about Tony Stewart or to kill him. Like you ain't never lost it one day in your anger. I just didn't have a tire to come over and run over somebody. There's a few I wish I had to run over. Ain't nobody in here with me. We pulled up. I used to have a big four-wheel drive truck. Ken seen it. it, it, it been, y'all all been lusting over if I brought it over here. <laughs> but I had a super crew Lariat, 35 Toyo MTs. I mean, it was the pride and joy. I'd put it out there by the road, you know, people to see it. Covered it. And I remember, remember one night we was going through Waycross, and a man cut me off at the gas pump, and he got out and just kind of bowed up. I told Catherine, I said, I know my state farm agent real good. I said, I might well fit to call him right and tell him, get over here and make a claim. I'm fit to run somebody over the gas pump. 
Has anybody ever had a moment? Listen to me. Every one of you could have a Polaroid shot and you are not in the right spirit. Every person in here. So what we got to learn how to do is you got to take this information that I'm giving you. So if God poured all his wrath out on your sin at the cross, so if you make a mistake in my environment, I can't punish you for what you did. Now here's the deal. If you're touching our children, we're probably going to put some guards around you. <laughs> Don't take me where I'm not going with it. Now listen to this. Therefore, through what we just read, God has removed the need for punishment. Therefore, in that, He has removed fear outside of my relationship. Let's, 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 let me read this next verse. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And it says this, The one who fears has not what? Been made perfect in love. So therefore, in my relationship with God, if I feel like God's going to get me, you would be surprised how many Christians believe the current struggle in their life right now is the result of a sin that they've had in their life. I've seen people get cancer. And believe that God is trying to teach them something because of a sin they had. Listen, if you are a dad in this room and you put a terminal disease on your children, defects would come get you, lock you up. And the Bible says we, being evil, know how to give the best dad in here. We, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto our How much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts to them that ask? You with me now? Your heavenly Father is good. You cannot pay for a sin that you have committed. Amen. I don't believe it deep down. Well, my financial hardship is because of a sin that I committed. No, your financial hardship probably causes some lack of wisdom. You bought the Corvette when you should have been driving the Chevette. Come on. Huh? I used to go to the car lot jerking. Lord, if they'll finance it, I know it's you. That's crazy. Back then, they'd finance anything. If you was breathing, you could get it. I better get off of that. Huh? Bought a truck one time. It was beautiful till I got it home and realized the paperwork, what I didn't see. My daddy told me, he said, son, there ain't no education free. <laughs> Galatians 4, you hear? You all right? We'll go a little further right here. Galatians chapter 4. Now I'm trying to talk to you about the covenant that Jesus came to establish for us, okay? I want to talk to you about the covenant Jesus established for us. And then I'm going to go a little bit further than this, okay? Now let's go right here. I'm skipping over so much stuff right here, but for time's sake. Let's look at verse 21. He said, tell me, you who desire to be under the law. How many knows when Paul's talking to the Galatians, he starts out in Galatians 3, uh, who has bewitched you? Who's deceived you? You started out free. A lot of people start out free in Jesus until they get to the church. Listen to this. Now tell me, 
you who desire to be under the law. Do you hear the law? Do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, the other by a free woman. But who was of the bondwoman? Was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise. Which things are symbolic? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to what? Bondage, which is Hagar. For this, for, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and, and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is, rejoice, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. Listen to me. This is you. I'm reading about you now. That we are the children of the promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So even so it is what now? See, there's all kind of tentacles trying to bring you back under the law. Well, I didn't read 40, 40 scriptures today, so I'm not worthy to preach the gospel. You're not worthy to preach the gospel anytime. And you're not worthy to come to church anytime on your own. What makes you worthy is faith in Jesus. Aren't you with me? Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be the heir of the son of the free woman. So the brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now listen to this. The reason Paul is after these two covenants, because you've got to understand, each covenant produces a different result in your life. One covenant produces rules and regulations which creates bondage. I remember reading in a book one time a story of a man, uh, a man and woman that was married. This man was very hard on her, demanded all kind of things, have the house certain way, immaculate, and all these different things. And she struggled trying to stay on top of everything that he said. Well, he died of a heart attack. Everybody said, thank the Lord for the woman. But listen, anyhow, he dies of a heart attack. She marries another man. He didn't demand anything of her. Are you listening to me? He didn't demand anything of her. He didn't demand that the house be immaculate. He didn't demand anything. And years later, after being married, she was in the attic and digging through the hope chest. She found the list of demands that the previous husband left her, ever, left her that she was to do every day. And what she found out, that for the man that demanded nothing, she was going above and beyond what was demanded on the sheet. You follow what I'm saying? One covenant produces rules which you never meet up to the standard. The other covenant produces freedom in which there's no rules attached. Jesus does not attach rules to the relationship. We'll look at it right here. A little further if you don't believe me. When we, when we start to obey the rules of the old covenant, we allow ourselves to be defined for those whom it was given. The, New, the Old Testament was never given to the New Testament Christian. You can't take stuff out the old. Listen to me. I'm not saying we don't need the Old Covenant. Paul said those stories were written what? 
for our admonition and I, as examples, right? You, got, you, you, see, you meet some Christians and they're proud about how long they fast. That don't make you righteous. If you're going to obey one of the pieces of the law, you have to obey all the law. And if you miss one, one sentence of the law, you're guilty of missing it all. There is a fast in which I love. It's found in the book of Daniel, and it is not the Daniel fast. But it's talking about Darius the king who fasted all night. I fast every night, all night long. Get on that fast. We're going to start that fast tonight. Everybody fast. I heard of a church one time that was fasting from 12 to 6 in the morning. Who don't fast that way? If you're getting up to eat that late, you need help, deliverance. I ain't getting out of bed. To get, I love to eat more than anybody, but I ain't getting out of bed to go no, eat no fried chicken or nothing. I'm going to stay in the bed. That's why I keep chicken beside the bed. No, I'm like, Listen to this. But listen, when, we, when you live by the old covenant, you, you give yourself an identity to whom the old covenant was written, primarily sinners. And when you believe you're a sinner, you believe you deserve judgment because of your sin. I'm just trying to see what I want to get from here because we ain't got about 15 minutes here. We say this statement right here all the time. Well, it's not about religion, but it's about relationship. How many's ever heard that said in the church? It's not about religion, but it's about relationship. But look at how we respond when people break the rules. All the response are geared to shepherd the person back into the right relationship. Not with God, but the rules. When somebody goes rogue in the church... What we, we're not concerned if they're in right relationship with God. What we want them to be is right relationship with what we believe. Good teaching right there. Huh? Stay with my rules. Stay with my rules and we're all right. But if you break the rule, the, the main concern is now the leadership shows up like a posse. I'm just preaching out my heart here. Don't nobody stone me. But we come in, we come in like a posse because we want everybody in that environment to know there's authority in this church. Don't get out the rules. Got my eye on you, brother. Gonna be getting out these rules. I'm not, they got to be authority in every family. You with me now? I can't let, you know, we were downtown Atlanta Friday at 4 o'clock. I couldn't let Grant in the driver's seat and say, son, drive us through here. You know what I'm saying? We'd have been totaled in a few minutes. There's got to be authority. You understand what I'm saying? But you can't come in like a, what that does, listen, a lot of that is, what, it, what that does, and I have seen it, what that does is, to, that is really nothing more than, than men that are fearful Responding in fear, trying to create fear in the environment that you don't break the rule. The number one, if anybody breaks the rule, 
the number one concern is to get him in right relationship with God. Oh, no, I better quit right there. I'm just trying to, look, look, just give me just a second right here. Romans 8, 2, or Romans 8, 1. Listen to this, Romans 7 and 8, Paul talks about two laws. The law of sin and death, how many members that? And the law of life, what? In Christ. Romans 8, 2 says the spirit of life in Christ has what set us free from the law of what? Sin and death. In other words, what Jesus came to do is set me free from a relationship that involved rules. Y'all ain't getting what I'm preaching. Jesus came to set me free from rules and regulations. There are rules, but they're not coming from me to you. They're coming from inside. The New Testament believer was never to be governed by a posse. He's to be governed by the Spirit of God living inside of him. And if you can't be governed by that, friend, I gotta, I gotta be concerned if you are. Well, I just don't have no control of anything I do. Well, probably they, God ain't living in you, friend, because if He's living in you, you're gonna gain control. You might not at the beginning, but come on now. Asher been on the planet three years. And if I refuse to get him a drink of water, this, I've heard all kind of, well, we're going to leave the church because we just ain't getting fed. Well, if we got to feed you, leave the church then, friend. This ain't a feeding ministry. I better quit, right? I feel, uh, huh? We just ain't getting fed. Huh? I, uh, if she don't cook, if she don't cook, I ain't fitting to leave because I ain't getting fed. This didn't come off her cooking anyhow. This come from McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get something to eat. You hear me? Are you with me? And if you love God, if I ain't preaching or not, you getting fed every day you get up because you're in communion with Him. Do you not have a Bible? You don't need me to have a relationship with God? I better quit. We have to go on. So listen, most people have a solid relationship with rules. Thus, their behavior is motivated by fear and punishment rather than love. Now, Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but what? After the Spirit. Our experience of life without condemnation happens according to how we walk. We experience no condemnation when we walk, not according to rules, but according to a relationship in Jesus. If my walk is this, Lord, just help me obey you. Man, come on, y'all. Let's get honest right here. Just think of some of the prayers we used to pray. I used to get down there and that, Lord, just help me obey you tomorrow. It's not that difficult. If you just walk with Him, you'll obey Him. It's a simple having your mind focused on God. And if I didn't obey Him today, He's not fixing to kill me. 
He's going to give me a chance tomorrow to obey. To how to get condemnation off of my life is simply how I walk. Do I walk with the rules or do I walk in freedom in Jesus? You with me now? Because my schedule sometimes I can't get the 80 scriptures of reading in a day. And, and you get around strong prayer people that's gifted that can go in there and pray for four and five hours. I can't. I li- listen to this. I used to do this, and I've, you've heard me give this example. I used to go in there and pray because we had church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And if I was scheduled to preach, I mean, I was in, I'm telling you. What I, I'm, am I telling I, I would be heard 40 things, have them written down in my, in my uh, notebook of what I felt like God had given me. But I couldn't preach that because I had to hear God speak that Sunday. What to give. God, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? <laughs> I'd be nervous up about to throw up, you know what I'm saying, if I didn't have the right word. And he, he, he'd been done giving me several things. You with me now? And so then I would go in there and pray. And back then, I, I, that was when, so, how many knows when soaking first came out real big, soaking? Well, I'd soak for maybe three minutes and I was asleep. When I'm praying, you know when I'm praying. I walk around like a wild man. You know what I'm saying? In darkness. So don't come in there and try to scare me nothing. You know what I'm saying? That's how I pray. So I would be in there soaking and I would fall asleep. And then I would hear Catherine coming down the hall and right, she'd open the door and I'd be in tongues. She'd be like, my God, he's been in there praying a long time. We're going to fire heaven going to fall. I ain't been praying none. You know what I'm saying? And so I used to get, I used to feel bad because I fell asleep in prayer. Because, I mean, Jesus said, he told, he told his guys in the garden, man, you can't, even stay, you can't even tear with me one hour without falling asleep. But let me, I want to throw this at you. How many of you dads ever sat there with your child in your arms and he fell asleep and you, and you, got, and you got up towards the end up for falling asleep? See, the father don't ever mind you crawling up in his lap going to sleep. Hmm. See, it's just a whole different view of your father. That came courtesy of Bill Johnson. It's free. You don't have to pay for that. <laughs> Listen to this. I got to hurry right here because we got to go. It's 825. I got five minutes to finish it. Listen, as we walk in the Spirit, listen, the question I must constantly ask is this. How is my life affecting our relationship? That does not only happen with me and God, but as part of the body and the unit and the family, I must ask myself, how is my life affecting the relationship? How is my life, now this is how life is walked in the Spirit. How is my life, Father, affecting the relationship? Keeping the law of life in Christ means that I manage myself in order to preserve and to protect my connection to His heart. I'm managing me. Not the leadership. You follow what I'm saying? Now don't think that there's freedom in here to just come in here and just haul off and hit somebody. We, we got people in here that can do that too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? Don't hit me anyhow, because I might not turn the other cheek. You follow what I'm saying? I might turn your cheek. 
I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> this is. When Ken first moved here, I called him my Adel Outfitters, and I liked it, got it. I snuck up beside his truck, and I snatched the door open. When he turned around, he was locked. He was fit to give it to me, Clay. I said, hey! I was hate, fit to hate to wear him out out there. <laughs> Look at this verse of Scripture. you got to see it before we go. Listen to this. John 14, 15. If you love me, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. Now, if your heart is anchored in the old covenant, you're going to hear that, and this is what you hear. If you love me, you'll obey my rules. That's not what Jesus is saying. What Jesus said, if you love me, you will manage yourself in my environment with the things that please me. And your love for me will be shown and an indicator of your love for me is how you manage your environment. But he ain't saying if you love me, obey everything. Obey my rules. If you love me, obey my rules. What he's saying, if you love me, you're going to manage your relationship with me. And whatever's pleasing to my heart, that's what you're going to do. I know what this woman likes. I go out of my way to get what she likes. Why? Because I know I'm close enough to her heart to know what she likes. Walking in the Spirit is keeping my connection to His heart. It's not about obeying His rules. But it is about managing myself through something called what? Self-control. Through my study of the New Testament, that is the control that I see that needs to be in the environment. Self-control. When this brother rises up and cusses you out, self-control. says, I'm sorry, brother, but I don't know why you're acting like that. But I want to give you a scripture. Luke chapter 9 says, you don't know what spirit you have right now. You with me now? See, the enemy will bow up at you to get you to bow up. Therefore, to get a picture of you in that moment, say, I know what was in there to start with. But you've got to learn how to be the bigger man and walk in what? Self-control. Self-control is when the Dairy Queen commercial comes on with the caramel and the chocolate. It's falling off the ice cream. And you say, I want to ride to town and get a Caesar salad. That's self-control. You with me now? The law of the kingdom, the law that rules the kingdom is the law of Christ and the law of love and not the law of rule keeping. Listen, there is no life in the rules. If you think you have a relationship with Jesus and love isn't showing up in your relationship with people, then I don't know what you have. I will read it one more time. There is no life in the rules. 
Men has put men, listen, this, this could go any, this could come to our systems, our denomination systems. Men put all of their faith in a system. There is no perfect system. Whether it be apostolic, apopolic, propolic, whatever, there's no perfect system. Because we're all men. But I refuse to have more faith in my system than I do in God's ability to keep people. There is no life in the rules. If you think you have a relationship with Jesus, listen, and love. Let me quote the Bible. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, if you do not have what? Love. It don't matter what you got. Well, that's, that's hard, preacher. Listen, if you think you have a relationship with Jesus and love isn't showing up in your relationships with people, then I don't know what you have. If you cannot cultivate heart-to-heart relationships and practice intimacy with people, guess who's fooling whom? That's good teaching right here, y'all. You got, it's, it's 8.32. I went two minutes over. We're we landing right here. So put your seatbelt on. If not, you're going to get slung out right here. We're landing a plane. We're coming in hot. When we don't know His love and how His love works, then you don't know who God is. So when somebody fails, like Tony, I'm just using this because this is one reason. When Tony Stewart runs over a man, you can't sit there from your, this man ought to be killed. Don't to kill every one of them. Look, just look what people, I, I know, I, I don't watch the news. I, I do not watch TV. And I, am I telling the people a story? I don't watch, I ain't watched the news in probably two years along. I don't know what's going on. But I did, standing in the bank, see the other day that there was a man beheaded. I guarantee you there was all kind of Christians on Facebook talking about we just need to kill them all. I'm just asking you what manner of spirit you of. Boy, this is it's awful quiet in here. Probably some of you going home to remove your post. That's all right. <laughs> huh? <laughs> when you don't listen, when you don't know His love and how His love works, then you don't know who God is. When somebody makes a, a fall or a mistake, the first response is see them the way God sees them and then love them back in the family. Because somebody loved you in the family. Hello? Well, I tell you what, did Brother Phil, he ain't... I better get off of that. He ain't coming back in here. So then God put you as the shepherd to say who can come in and who can't? Huh? Are you the chief ruler? Huh? When did Jesus put you in charge? Let me tell you what blow all of our theology up. We can't let a man preach until he's proved himself and all this. I'm all for that, okay? But I'm telling you, Jesus showed up at the land of Gadara, cast 6,000 demons out of a man. Legions of demons. Whether they be 2,000, I heard some say 6,000, some say 8,000. How many know there were some demons in him? That's all I know. He had a bunch of boogers in him. You with me? Jesus cast them out. Then he wanted to get in the boat with Jesus. He was naked, didn't have a suit. Somebody got him some clothes up. 
wanted to get in the boat with Jesus. Jesus said, I tell you what, you know what? I need an evangelist in this region right here. There's a bunch of pig farming going on. And I need an evangelist. And Jesus turned that man loose to go preach. But we, get, we see somebody make a mistake because they failed once or twice. Listen, I failed once or twice. And the Bible says a righteous man will fall seven times, but he gets up again. Every time you get up, heaven is rejoicing. Are you with me? And we want a church that rejoices with you when you get up. Man, I had a guy in our church in, in Alma Brought him over here to the house of grace. Great success story. But I remember when he started he was a childhood friend of mine. We went to school together. I got three licks in high school for locking him up in a, in a closet in metals, and we welded the locker shut. But I, he loved me through it. You hear me? Brought him over here. I had people to say, I don't know why you let him go to your church. He's playing you. Because he had a, he had he was he had he was on all kind of stuff. He he burned all the veins out in both arms, shooting oxycodone and needles. But I said this, well, he still had a Xanax problem. I said this is what I will celebrate. He ain't on cocaine today, and he ain't burning needles today. I'll celebrate the progress in his life. And I can tell you nothing, something else. His heavenly Father's celebrating the progress in his life. And because we did not give up on him, he's totally free today and been free for three years. That's the success story. Jesus never gives up. When man gives up on you, God never gives up on you. And I'm done right here. I'm going to finish this up. Listen. When you don't know His love and how He works, you don't know who God is. If you don't know, if you don't know God, listen, He'll end up, at least in your perspective, looking a lot like you. There's a bunch of people think God looked like them, but He don't look like them. Every time you show out and manifest your anger, you prove to me that you don't know Him. I'm done. Generation after generation in the church has lived life attempting to protect the relationship to a rule book. Just be a part of the system, man. Just obey the rules we got. Stay in the rules. Don't smoke. Don't joke. Just attend the church. And tie 10% at least. You with me now? I would, I, I'm, I'm done right here, but i got to tell you, what, can you give me five more minutes? Listen, your kids, we, I'm going to pray a prayer, and your kids will go right to sleep when you put them in there. All you got to do is inject about a, 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 a little bit of NyQuil in there and they'll go to bed. Right, that's wisdom not. Listen, I'm done. I'm going to quit. I'm ready. I'm going to just tell you what I'm talking about in an environment here, okay? The first ministry we served at on staff, okay? My father, who owned this, owned this construction business, did not have insurance, which is not wise, okay? They, they thought he had a kidney stone, developed a, found a tumor the size of a thumbnail on his pancreas. And did surgery on him November the 8th. That's right, November the 8th, 2005. On January the 1st, I was still in the hospital with my father. And, um, and you talking about something humbling. I had to wash my own dad. You follow what I'm saying? And then we buried him. Uh, he died July the 31st of 2006. Whatever. During that time, I'm telling you this, okay? I'm, what I'm talking about rules in environment. People have more faith in them rules than they do in that book. I'm telling you, I'm living experience of it in multiple ways. Catherine and I took our tithe outside of our church and we started helping my mom and dad. I was called in the office and said that I could not preach behind the pulpit in that church because I was not given 
I had been a faithful tither in that church. Not only that, I'm, if you stand up and call me a bald-faced liar in this church, I'm telling a lie. Kim Mose, you know I'm telling the truth. I cut their grass on Saturdays with a push mower. I washed their vehicles. We took used our vehicle to do everything. I was a faithful tither to that church, helped build that church. Uh, I received $75 a week on staff and was commanded to work about 40 hours. I should have called the labor union on them. Yet, because what in their eyes, what qualified me to preach behind that pulpit was my giving 10%. Friend, that never qualifies you for anything. Are you with me now? Is that what it's come down to, that we can buy our way behind the pulpit? Huh? Listen to me. It don't matter. Through all of that, I went through a rough time through all of that, and finally I realized this. You know what? They never called me to preach. God called me to preach. And if God qualified me, my money never going to get me there anyhow. He qualified me to do it. And here's what I'm telling you today. I'm a faithful tither today, but if I had to do it over again, I would take my money and put it right back in the same place I did then. Well, I almost got ugly right there for a second. I better quit. I had the four-letter words rolling in my mind. Faith, hope, and love. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Huh? Not one time did the church that I served ever bought me one tank of gas to drive to Savannah. Not one time. Nor did my pastor ever come see but one time my father in the hospital. But you can't preach in church because you're not tithing. They people in other countries raising the dead and they ain't worried about. Huh? You got you got an anointing on your life to heal cancer. I guarantee you, when you walk in there into a deathbed, that family ain't worried about if you're a tither or not. Huh? That man ain't gonna say, hold on before you pray for before you pray for him. Did, did you pay your tithes this week? Huh? All he sees is the gifting and the anointing upon your life. And what we've talked about in church for years, the gift to discern spirits ain't the gift to discern devils in the house. It's the gift to recognize who, what the presence of God is resting on a person. Almost done. That's not a free excuse not to pay your tithes. Amp you giving up. Generation in the church we lived his life attempted to protect a relationship to the rule book. You can say you're not doing that. You can say it all day long. But what happens when somebody breaks the rules, that is your barometer. Huh? That's your barometer. What happens when somebody violates what you're living to protect? That's where it's going to show up. When the sin in other people scares you, it is evidence how important the rules are to you. The rules are pretty important in much of church culture. It is time for us to admit that our feel for responsibles directly contradict the message of Christ that we are preaching. Scripture is clear that we have two options. We can choose to protect the rules and create a religious culture, or we can protect our relationships and create a culture of love. That's what I'm trying to build, friend. Only one of these options is the covenant of Christ died to make, and that's the law of love. I'm just trying to preach you the truth here, okay? We should give. Jesus said these things. When you fast... When you pray and when you give. If you can't give, let's just be honest. If you can't give the God who gave all, it's hard for me to believe that you've got a relationship with Jesus if you can't give. But if we got to stand up here and beg and plead for money every Sunday, it's because we're doing stuff God never intended us to do to start with. 
Well, we always well, where he God he provides. Well, if you having to beg for it, maybe he ain't guiding you there. You with me now? But our culture can't be built on if you tithe, then you rising to the top. You with me now? I couldn't preach in the pulpit because I didn't tithe. That's a fact. Just said tonight. But I loved them anyhow. When she got sick there at the end, and they didn't have nobody to preach, they overlooked my tithing. <laughs> and put me in the pulpit. So I didn't know what to believe. I was, you with me now? If you ain't got faith to give 10% of your income, if you don't have faith to give 10 the Bible says whatever is not of faith it's sin under God. Am I quoting you the Bible in this room tonight? Huh? I'm going to finish you with this to go home and chew on. In the old covenant, 10% was the tithe. In the new covenant, Jesus raised it up. He said, give all. Did he not say give all? Am I preaching the truth in here? Huh? The tithe is not something that we fret over at my house and say we owe this right here. This is what we owe this month in tithe. That's not how it is looked upon. It is simply I'm giving to God as I trust Him as my provider. You follow what I'm saying? And it don't come like it's been preached before. Well, your tires won't blow out, your tires will blow out. Your washing machine will quit. Your dryer will blow up. All of that mess. Crazy. Sow in the good soul. You sow it in the good soul. All right, get up and shake your neighbor's hand. You're in a culture of love. I'll see you Sunday.